Hey guys, and welcome to Choir Talks. Thank you so much for being a listener and following Choir Talks. I hope that God is speaking to you through these scriptures. Um, here we are as uh, home because of the coronavirus, as you know, and uh, I've been reading through the book of Psalms during this time. But this being Easter week, Holy Week, the lead up to our celebration of the cross and the resurrection, I wanted to focus in on a theme that talked about that, and there's one psalm that you just have to read in the week of Easter, and that's Psalm 22, and you'll see why in just a minute. Psalm 22 is an amazing psalm, uh, written maybe a thousand years before Jesus comes, and yet it sounds like it was written by somebody who just watched the crucifixion happen. Um, it's really amazing. You've got a psalm writer writing about his life and his personal experience, and yet um, supernaturally, God uses that to also prophesy about what Jesus as the Messiah was going to have to go through on the cross. So here's Psalm 22. It starts this way. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now you probably recognize that line. Jesus quotes this same psalm, um, this first verse, from the cross. It's one of the, the seven statements that he makes from the cross. Um, in for the psalm writer, that is a major theme of this whole psalm. He says it here in verse 1, and again in verse 11, he says, Don't be far from me. And in verse 19, But you, Lord, don't be far from me. The separation that this psalm writer feels from God is, is painful to him, and it causes him, causes him to write this psalm of lament. For Jesus, um, it, is, it is the first moment and the only moment in his life where he feels separation from his father. Um, he is, um, because of the sin of the world being placed on him, uh, there's separation between God and, and Jesus um, for the first time. Now, that doesn't mean that, that Jesus is no longer God. He is every bit as much God as he is in every other part of his life. And yet, 2 Corinthians says it this way. It says, God made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might have the righteousness of Christ. Here on the cross is when that happens. God makes him to be sin, to take all of our sin on him. And in that moment, he feels separation from God. Um, Habakkuk 1.13 says this, Your eyes are too pure to look upon evil. Uh, it says that about God the Father. So for the first time in Jesus' life, the Father is no longer viewing him. Uh, and there's great anguish about that. In fact, out of all the physical pain that Jesus bears that day, this may be the most painful moment to take on the sin of the world and have feel separation from the Father. And so he expresses that by saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But there's a whole nother layer going on here. Not only does he says, say that as an anguished lament back to God, but he is also using it as a, as a teaching moment there at the last moments of his life. It's a rabbinic technique that a rabbi would speak the first phrase of a psalm or a scripture passage and expect that his followers, his disciples, would recognize the, the rest of the psalm and being be able to make application of that psalm to whatever experience they were going through. So Jesus from the cross quotes the first phrase of this psalm, knowing that all those religious leaders who were there around the cross would recognize the whole psalm and be able to make application 
uh, and in this case, recognized that this psalm was being fulfilled right in front of their eyes. This thousand-year-old psalm was coming to life before them. Um, so he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, why does he want them to think about that? Why is this psalm important? Listen to all the prophecies that are listed here in this psalm. Um, he says in verse um, 6, he says uh, that I'm a worm and not a man. I'm scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults and shake their heads. So in Matthew 27, uh, it says this, those who passed by hurled insults at him and shook their heads. Exactly what was going to happen a thousand years later is in the mind of this psalm writer right here. And again, in verse 8, it says, he trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. So here's what the religious leaders are quoted in Matthew as saying at the cross. They say, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. Almost the exact same words that were prophesied a thousand years beforehand that would be said there at the cross. And so Jesus points out to them that you are speaking this prophecy uh, being fulfilled in Psalm 22. Here's another part of the psalm that is amazing. There's, there's three uh, groups of people around, uh, or three groups mentioned here um, that are anti antagonizing the psalm writer. But in prophetically, there are three groups that were antagonizing Jesus as he is there on the cross. One of them is verse 12. It mentions, many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Now, that doesn't really mean anything to us, but Bashan is a real place, and the people there probably understood what he was talking about and, and caught that reference better. But Amos 4.1 likens the cows of Bashan to the religious leaders of his day that, that had gone astray um, and that were no longer godly. And so when, when the psalm writer sees this in in his prophet eye, he is seeing perhaps the religious leaders who are there at the cross, who is the, or the strong bulls, the bulls who have gone astray, surrounding the cross. And then it also mentions uh, roaring lions uh, that tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. Roaring lions. Hey, that seems like an obvious reference to us who know the New Testament uh, as being Satan and all the spiritual powers who are observing the cross and claiming victory in that moment. Uh, they are the roaring lions. Remember, uh, 1 Peter tells us that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom, whom he may devour. One more group is mentioned here in verse 16. It says, dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and feet. Um, the word dog is, would have been a typical way for a Jewish person to reference a Gentile. <clears throat> um, so perhaps here he is talking about the Romans, um, the Romans who are also represented around the cross, especially um, by the guards. In fact, the guards are the ones who pierce his hands and his feet. And so we see the dogs here as represented, representing the Romans. Um, here's, here's some more thing. Well, let's talk about Pierce's hands and feet while we're on that line. Uh, line. Uh, you recognize that also literally happened to Jesus. Um, John 19.34 says, and one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, uh, bringing a sudden flow of water. 
And so they pierced his side. And we also know from the, the Gospels that they pierced his hands and his feet when they put him on the cross. Um, what else does it say? He says, I'm being poured out like water. In verse 14, all my bones are out of joint. That's a pretty good picture of what happens to a person who is hanging on a cross and as all their, their bones and are, are feeling out of joint as their, their body is being stretched. He says, my heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. You know that um, Jesus' uh, heart burst. Um, the scriptures tell us, um, and also in John 19, that uh, when the soldiers pierced Jesus' side, that what came out was a flow of blood and water, which signified that his heart had burst within him. And so um, this uh, answers this prophecy where it says that my heart would melt within me. Verse 15, my mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You remember one of the other sayings from the cross is, I thirst, as Jesus said, I thirst. Here's another one. He says in verse 17, all my, my bones are on display. People stare and gloat. Uh, again, you can just imagine him stretched out on that cross and so that you could see every, all of the, the bones uh, in his, his chest. And then verse uh, 18, it says, they divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. All right, so what happens around the cross um, Romans who have never heard this scripture probably had never seen this prophecy. Um, Matthew 27 says this, when the, they, the Romans, had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Um, going on, um, he says, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. The, um, the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 2, quoted this line and applied it to Jesus and said this was a prophecy about Jesus. Uh, looking on verse 26, the poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. Um, this is a beautiful image that, that Isaiah also picks up, the poor will eat. Isaiah 55, listen to this from Isaiah 55. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the water. You who have no money, come, buy and eat. Buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Isaiah 55, uh, some people call it the, the great banquet of salvation. Um, it is that, that offering uh, that God says, come without cost uh, to yourself. Come and, and eat and be satisfied. So it's it's this picture already in, in the Old Testament that God offers the gift of salvation to those who are poor, it says in verse 26, those who couldn't save themselves, those who had nothing um, in the Spirit. And he says, the poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. Verse 29 picks up that same banquet imagery and says, all of the rich of the earth will feast and worship. Now the rich, the poor before, have become rich as they have shared in God's salvation, as they have his spirit in them. Now they are the rich of the earth, earth that will feast and worship. And all who go down into the dust will kneel before him. Um, that might remind you of Philippians chapter 2, where it says that God has given him, because of the cross, and because of his um, faithfulness, that God has given him a name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus Everyone who is on the earth and under the earth will bow 
to give him praise. So this, the psalm writer here says, all who go down into the dust, all who are under the earth, all who are dead, will one day kneel before him. And here's how it ends. The last verse says, they will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn. Hey, who's that? That's us, right? Um, this message has come down to us from a thousand years before Christ through the crucifixion and now 2,000 years later to us, the people who were yet unborn at that time, to hear uh, about the righteousness of Christ. And this is what we'll hear about. And here's the last line. He has done it. Man, I love that. Remember the last thing that Jesus says on the cross is, it is finished. This work of salvation on your behalf, I've now accomplished. It is finished. The last line of Psalm 22, he has done it. It is completely done, completely won for you and for I, for me. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed Psalm 22. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this, this beautiful prophecy, God, and, and uh, what we see and, and know about Jesus through it. And Father, I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for the sacrifice that Jesus made to purchase salvation for a people who are undeserving and sinful, and yet you chose us and you... You chose to uh, give us life. God, thank you for that. Father, for all who are listening today, God, I pray your blessings on them. Um, and Father, I pray that, uh, that Lord, you would keep us safe and end this time of the virus, God. I pray in the, in the powerful name of Jesus, God, that um, you would end this virus. So, Lord, we praise you today. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for sharing with us today. Um, this weekend... Um, is Easter weekend. You can join us on our live stream, Ridgecrest Baptist Church, uh, on our Facebook page or on our YouTube channel. Also, if you follow me on Facebook, um, my family intends to do uh, a time Friday night for um, just celebrating uh, Good Friday. So you could look for that also. Have a great day.